enjoyed in quotes because mm-hmm. they probably didn't enjoy either. <laughs> Love that ACT. <laughs> Best three hours of my life. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> Welcome to the Teen Life Podcast, where we believe that teenagers are not a problem to be solved, but we are here to help you equip teenagers through the power of connection. Hey guys, this is Chris Roby, and over across from me is my pal, Carly Duke. Your pal! I love that! Yes, you're you're upgrading. (laughs) (laughs) All these these episodes, Chris, and we're finally friendly. Yes. I'm a tough one. Yeah. (laughs) Well, guys, uh, we are really glad that you're here today. Uh, we are going to talk uh, today specifically, and this kind of goes into uh, it's a trend of substance abuse we've been talking through, mm-hmm. and that is uh, about alcohol and how that interacts with teenagers. Yeah, so alcohol is one that last episode we talked about marijuana, right? and alcohol is actually the most commonly used substance among young people. Does not surprise me. Nope, it doesn't. And probably because it's easiest to get a hold of. It's legal. Yes. Yes. And so that's one that honestly we have to talk about it because it has a lot of consequences and can be super dangerous, especially if we're not talking about it. And just a few stats to throw out there. This is, it's really hard to find updated information. Mm-hmm. Super fun. Just a little tidbit for you. Yes. But the 2019 Youth Risk Behavior Survey found that this is among high school students. So they surveyed them and just asked, in the last 30 days, have you done these things? Mm -hmm. Here's what they found. 29% of high schoolers had drank alcohol. Mm -hmm. 14% binge drank. And we'll talk about binge drinking here in a minute. 5% of drivers drove after drinking alcohol. And 17% rode with a driver who had been drinking alcohol. Wow. We have to assume these numbers are actually higher. Yes. (laughs) Yes, because yeah. they're self-reporting. Right, right. So there are probably some who aren't reporting correctly. But it's really interesting. What's actually interesting is they found that underage drinking has actually declined in the last several years. Interesting. But it's still a prevalent issue. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know why that is. Right. I don't know if anyone knows why that is. Yeah. But it is something to watch that it has been declining, but it's still a massive issue with teenagers. Yeah, and you know, we talked about another podcast too, just the decline of other risky behaviors we're seeing in the statistics over the last, you know, ten years or so. Um, you know, probably a lot of it's driven by social media activity, not getting yeah. out a whole lot, <laughs> you know. Um, where teenagers are really more doing the interacting, you know, via their devices and not because, you know, alcohol tip, typically for an adolescent is a is a social yeah. Is a social thing. And so if they're not socializing as much not drinking as much yeah you're so right and so when it comes to drinking if you drink younger um that's associated with alcohol use disorder later in life Mm -hmm. Um, and then also one of the things i mentioned this briefly but binge drinking is a big deal Mm -hmm. among teenagers and why that's so scary is because um when you binge drink you're at greater risk for social mental and physical problems and so binge drinking is consuming five or more drinks for men at one time for women it's four or more Hmm. it's kind of rude that yeah yeah. (laughs) they have to distinguish the two of those but basically it's not just your teenagers having a drink they are drinking a lot Mm -hmm. and probably getting drunk on top of that which that's a moving target i feel like but 
it's just super interesting. And most people younger than 21 who drink alcohol report binge drinking. And um, another stat said that among high school students who binge drink, 44% consumed eight or more drinks in a row. Wow. So they're really binging. They're really binging. Mm -hmm. And if you think about kids and a lot of the stuff that we talked about with marijuana, brain development, all that stuff comes into play here. Mm -hmm. And they are drinking eight or more drinks where they are not themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you're putting them in situations with other people. We've had, we had a good friend growing up who got drunk and fell off a balcony. Wow. Because life is never the same. Right. I mean, you hear these things, you hear about sexual assault and stuff that happens with kids on both ends, whether they're the one not stopping or not listening to consent, or if they're the one who is being assaulted, like they're just, alcohol can play a role in some really scary things. Yeah. Uh, motor vehicle crashes, falls, burns, drowning, um, even alcohol poisoning uh, for those eight drinks or more yeah. um, can lead to um, those horrible consequences. Um, violence, including homicide, uh, suicide, partner violence, and sexual assault, as Carly said. Sexual consequences like STDs, unattended pregnancies, disruption of sexual development. Um, and then also there's the, the health problems that start at that young age of high blood pressure, uh, stroke, heart disease, uh, liver disease, cancer, hangovers, other illnesses, uh, come along with heavy drinking as an adolescent. Yeah. And then there's mental issues too, like memory, learning problems. And like I said, it changes their brain development, mm -hmm. which can have lifelong effects. And so you're having these kids with all these awful side effects and consequences just because they're binge drinking. Mm -hmm. And it's a really scary thing. I do think it's worth just mentioning, Chris, that there are legal issues, obviously, yes. with this because my understanding, right, across the board in the United States, it's 21. Yes. So if you're a minor who buys, attempts to buy, or possesses an alcoholic beverage, or if you're intoxicated in public, you're going to face consequences. Mm -hmm. And that can look very different. The consequences get bigger the more times that you've done it. Mm -hmm. And if you're over 17, it's also different. But you can be fined. You have to attend an alcohol awareness class. You get a misdemeanor on your record. You have to do community service. And then a lot of times they will take away your driver's license, mm. especially if you've been drinking and driving. Yeah. And the underage drinking thing, I mean, the, the, the law comes down pretty hard on, on adolescence and alcohol, probably with some good reason, right? This is a, a deterrent. We don't want, ever want kids drinking and driving obviously but as a parent to understand you know those consequences are more severe and they do follow and cause and effect not only you know and all only all these health issues that we talked about but just having a misdemeanor on your record uh, and even more as more of those offenses pile up right i also think it's worth mentioning for our adults listening that it is illegal for you to provide alcohol to a minor mm -hmm. There is the exception, at least I know in the state of Texas, I was looking at Texas laws, um, if it is your child or you are the guardian or parent of a child, you can give them alcohol if they're within sight of you at all times. Mm -hmm. So they can't even like walk into a different room in your house and drink alcohol. That is, that's, I guess, where they draw the line. Mm -hmm. But um, it's illegal for you 
to give it to a friend hmm. or for a if a student brings friends into your house and they're drinking and you don't know you will face consequences for that as the adult those are the stories you always hear right is that it was my uncle who gave it to us or right. or you know that that cool dad on on the end of the block right and those are those are stories but there are also stories with probably some major consequences too for those adults who choose to do that yeah and then finally there is at least in the state of texas like i said a zero tolerance law because it is illegal for a person under 21 to operate a motorized vehicle or watercrafts like a boat mm-hmm. having any detectable amount of alcohol in their system. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if they are over the legal limit or not. If they have any detectable alcohol in their system, there are very big consequences for that. And like I said, like if it happens once, there are consequences. If it happens twice, there are even more consequences on top of that. And they can start to pile up. And mm-hmm. so it is just so important that we talk to our teenagers about this because it can be really dangerous and it could be just life-changing depending on what they decide to do. So as we transition to this part of our discussion of alcohol, I, we kind of sound like a couple of old fuddy-duddies here, don't we? Like <laughs> talking about all you know all the consequences of alcohol and all that kind of stuff. And it sounds like we're being overly negative here. But the question is for you as a parent, as a helper, are you actually having these conversations? Right. Like, and and, and that, I think that's why this is so important when we're when we're starting to talk about this and all the consequences and like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know, I know, I know. But if we know, are we actually talking to our, our kids about this? Is this is this front of mind, especially this time of year, as as pressures ramp up? We're going to talk about that here in a second. Well, proms, uh, graduations, there's lots of parties probably mm-hmm. that are coming, and especially going into summer. Mm-hmm this becomes an issue. Yeah, yeah, so getting out ahead of it and starting this conversation with your teenagers. I think as a parent, we need to be able to communicate really clear expectations as to as to what we expect from our teenagers. And and this this is going to go from house to house honestly, depending on your viewpoint on alcohol. Um but your your student knowing what you expect from them when it comes to alcohol cons- consumption. Maybe you're okay with it around around you and you know and or maybe it's like i think this is something you don't need to ever partake in but but communicating those expectations is going to be crucial yeah i also think coming up with ahead of time if you're in a situation or if you're at a party where there's drinking or the person you came with is drinking talk about expectations even for that situation Mm -hmm. beforehand Mm -hmm. so i want you to call me Or if you ever text me this word, I'll know, no questions asked, I'm getting in the car and I'm coming to get you. Mm -hmm. Like there there needs to be conversation too, not just around like, I think sometimes parents can do a blanket, don't drink alcohol ever. And Mm -hmm. that's where the conversation ends. Mm -hmm. But I do think that can be dangerous because, I mean, even just my experience in college, I went to a Christian college. So I was with a lot of people who had never drank before. Mm. And the dangers of them not realizing mixing of alcohols and what that does or that certain alcohols make you feel a certain way or stronger. Mm-hmm. For example, if you're taking a shot versus drinking a beer, mm-hmm. those are different. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you need to like educate your kids on everything alcohol, but I think if we just say no, you're not going to do it. And that's where the conversation ends. I think there needs to be kind of some more of if you get in this situation, what does that look like? And how can you remain safe? Mm-hmm. Help them understand the legal and health implications like we kind of outlined here it's not 
it's not just the you know the safety side but it's also the consequences you could face from a legal standpoint and you know long-term health and then really talk about other positive coping skills other yeah. other ways you're able to relieve that stress or to socially engage that um maybe doesn't involve that and i'll be honest putting myself back in those high school shoes it's hard mm -hmm. if you are friends with people and when they hang out on the weekends they drink mm -hmm. that's a really tough place to be in mm -hmm. so talk about number one are those friends you need to be having mm -hmm. but two what are guardrails that they can put up for themselves that will help mm -hmm. maybe it's Anytime I show up at someone's house, I'm going to bring a sonic drink with me so I know I have something to drink if other people are drinking something else. Mm -hmm. Knowing I'm never going to get in a car with someone who's been drinking and I'm going to ask those questions beforehand. I mean, talk about that kind of thing. Talk about what are fun things that you can do with your friends that don't have to involve alcohol. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, make that happen. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's, hey, we're going to have people come over to our house instead of you going other places because I know that we trust our house. And make it a fun house to be at. Like there right. are lots of things that you can do to enforce, not just like, well, you can't go anywhere ever, but let's talk about what are fun things that we can do that are going to be healthier for us. And I would say too, this is a this is a long term strategy thing too, because if if a adolescent thinks that the only way you're going to be able to have fun socially is to involve alcohol, is that going to follow you all the way through your right. adult years? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so so being able to and to communicate that with them and say, this is not sustainable. Yeah. Um, and understanding there's ways that you can do this without it. Well, and I think we've said this a lot, but especially if you have a teenager who's graduating, have these conversations with them before they leave your home. Mm -hmm. Because when they go to college and you're not there, access is up, if, especially if they're pledging, you're going to be in a fraternity or a sorority. I mean, like they're going to probably be around alcohol in their lifetime. This is a conversation that is helpful to have now and early, even probably earlier than you think it needs to happen. So Carly, for our trend, we have testing because that's that time of year, right? Ooh. So I don't know, do you, do you remember your ACT, SAT scores? I do not remember my SAT score. I hated taking the SAT, uh -huh. it was awful. I made an embarrassingly low score. Like, I, oh, like, no. like you, that whole legend, like if you just fill your name in, you get a certain <laughs> score. That might have been what I was working with. <laughs> I'm not sure. It was bad. My ACT score was okay. And I remember my mom wanted me to retake it just to try to get a higher score. And I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was good enough. <laughs> but testing, golly, it is not fun. I was good at school. Testing is a whole other beast mm -hmm. that I hated. And so I think it's worth talking about SAT, ACT testing, and then also state testing. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to these college admission tests, what I think is so interesting is a lot of colleges are going to test optional now, hmm. which means you can apply without having an exam score. Hmm. Um, I read an article, I'll post all these links, obviously, that Harvard just extended their test optional policy through the fall of 2026. Wow. So that is moving now. Most of the articles I read said that basically not having a test won't keep you from getting in, but test scores are still a big part of scholarships. Mm. So if you want your teenager to get a scholarship, they probably need to take the test. Right. It's good to know that 
some colleges are seeing that there's more than just test scores that prove a good academic for sure. Yeah. So, and I think a lot of that comes from the pandemic and they know that students aren't where they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a disservice to judge them based on that. Now, when it comes to SAT versus ACT, which one should you choose? Because I feel like that's a conversation that happens a lot of, well, which one's easier? Which one fits me better? So I did a little research. Both take around three hours. Mm-hmm. They're similar in cost. But I did read students who have a strong English background might do better with the ACT. Um, that puts more emphasis on verbal skills and stuff like that, while students who are strong in math might want to take the SAT. That explains it. <laughs> Not me. a math person. <laughs> Not really a math person, no. But um, I remember doing surprisingly well on my ACT versus my SAT. And I, I never really understood why I struggled so much on the SAT, but that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, they're very different. And I think, too, my experience, I took the SAT at a huge community college with a ton of people. Mm-hmm. There was an eighth grader behind me saying this was the fourth time he had taken the test. Wow. I'm sitting here as a junior in high school going, oh. I'm in the wrong place. (laughs) And then my experience with the SAT, ACT, sorry, was I took it in a much smaller room. It was much more relaxed. So that probably had something to do with it too. But there is something to be said that your student will probably lean one way or the other. Um, Experts would say take both before the fall of their junior year, which seems early, but take them both, see where they do, see which one they enjoyed, enjoyed in quotes, Mm -hmm. because they probably didn't enjoy either. (laughs) What did ACT? (laughs) That's three hours of my life. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> but see which one maybe they excel that more and then have them study and prepare and take that one again. Mm-hmm. Instead of just taking both of them over and over and over again, experts would say if you're really trying to get your scores up, that that's the best way to do it. Take both, kind of pressure-free, just go in, and then you prepare for one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, next week, at least here in Texas, uh, state testing is getting ramped up. And, I, and if you're not in the state of Texas, I'm sure your state has some state testing program protocol. Right. I feel like most states have that. Um, but this it's a time of year that's pretty stressful for a lot of mm-hmm. uh, high schoolers. Yeah, it is. And I think especially this year mm-hmm. because we're seeing the learning loss mm-hmm. that happened of students, especially who did their schooling remotely had significant declines than those who attended in person. But Mm -hmm. I think across the board, there are declines. Now in Texas, it's called the STAR test. Mm -hmm. And that was optional last year due to coronavirus stuff. Last two years. Last two years, yes. So this is the first year that it's back, Mm -hmm. which I think is causing a lot of stress. Now last spring, STAR test results showed that 43% of students met grade level, and that was down from 47% 2019. Wow. So that doesn't seem like a huge gap, but at the same time it is. Mm -hmm. Because I think there was already, my understanding, there was already a learning gap that they were closing, and that just opened it right back up. Mm -hmm. Now, the big one, too, is start testing for math. Same thing in 2021, only 35% met grade level compared to 50%. And that's a huge drop. Yeah. Yeah. That's really big. So our students have been falling behind and different states are handling this differently. I know in Texas, they state mandated tutoring for students who are falling behind. I'll be honest. My research showed this was very controversial. Mm -hmm. 
because on some on one hand it's helpful for students to get tutoring on the other they felt like this is just one more thing that my student has to do and mm -hmm. added stress there yeah so testing is a big deal and it's something that is not super fun mm -mm. for any of our students so for our tip that we're going to get into in a minute we have some more ideas for how to make this better so far tip I previewed it already, and I'm coming back. <laughs> We're going to talk about test-taking tips. I need these. Did you ever do any of these like weird tests? Do you remember doing test-taking tips? No, I just completely struggled through the whole thing. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, so th this really would have been helpful for me. But it, yeah, I, I remember even in college taking like back in a previous career, I was an athletic trainer and having to take those state boards and yeah. all that and just being just a wreck <laughs> through the whole thing. But even having a child now who is is kind of getting into this testing phase where he really does struggle. He's incredibly intelligent, but the test taking side is just he clams up and either really hurries through it or doesn't answer everything. Just depends on what it is. But it's really hard. And I will say when it comes to that, before we get into the tips, there are resources that your schools can provide. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they'll read them out loud if that's something you need to look into. If you think my student needs extra help, there could be some options to look into. Well, I do know my, uh, one of my children who has struggled with test taking, speaking of support groups, um, his counselor has a test taking support group on their, on their campus. Oh, cool. Where they can kind of talk about different ways that they, um, you know, manage that anxiety yeah. and it's been really helpful for them. So maybe ask your school if there's something, one of those resources available. Yeah, definitely talk to your schools. But when it comes to tips, here are a few that might be helpful mm -hmm. for your student. So first of all, get plenty of sleep the night before. Mm -hmm. This is a thing I struggle with mm -hmm. still to this day. But when they're well rested and they're not like nodding off in the test, that makes a big difference. So don't cram till three. Exactly. Okay. Not helpful. Got not it. helpful at all. Eat a good breakfast and drink lots of water to make sure you're getting lots of protein, mm -hmm. lots of brain food mm -hmm. as well so that your brain is ready to go and not, I don't know, hungry. Well, yeah, just taking care of the physical body because that's what needs to show up for you when you're taking these tests. Yeah. I think obviously pay attention to instructions. Sometimes if we get kids get so worked up and then they do it wrong, that's a whole issue. So mm -hmm. just really listen at the beginning. Make sure they're paying attention to what's happening. Relax. Mm -hmm. Do deep breathing exercises. We've talked about that before, but before and during the test, that's really helpful. Find a way to focus on one question at a time. Kind of moving through, not not getting too uh, hung up on you know what's on the next page kind of thing. If you feel stuck or unsure, don't obsess. Try your best uh, or skip it and come back. I think too, my personal study tip I'll say is when I was taking tests, I would go, if I wasn't sure, go with your first instinct. Mm -hmm. Don't try to overthink it. Just be like, I'm just going to go with my first instinct and move on, especially tests like this that are long that you've got to get through lots of things. If you get stuck on one question and then don't finish, you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm -hmm. So really encourage kids, don't get thrown off for the whole test because of one question that got you down. Just do your best. Kind of go with, that's what I thought first, so that's what I'm going to put down, and I can always come back to it if I have time at the end. I know. I, when we would talk to our kids about tests as well, is you know most, most tests have a, a, an allotted period of time. You don't win any more points for finishing first. Right. Right. And so helping a student understand it's okay to take your time through this. You're here. This is what you're here to do right now. Take your time. Go back. Double check. 
the things you need to do, but just not to be in a hurry. Right. And then finally, especially for our adults, plan a treat or a fun activity for after. Mm. Give them something to look forward to, no matter how they did. We're going to celebrate because you finished something really difficult. Mm -hmm. And so take time to honor that and to, like I said, give them something to look forward to. So when they wake up in the morning and they're like, I really don't want to take the test, they can say, but at least I get to do this tonight Mm -hmm. with my family. All right, that's a wrap on this one. Thank you so much for listening. A special thanks to Carly Duke and to Kelly Fan for producing this podcast. Also to Luke Cabrera for our awesome podcast music. If you want to know more about Luke and his music, check out his contact info in the description. Well, this podcast is for the helpers, and we really hope you feel helped. If there's something we haven't talked about or a topic that you're really interested in, email us at podcast at teenlife.ngo, and we will do our best to get to that topic. We will see you next week.